You're listening to The Range, Garden Web University streaming and on-demand programming. My name is Jeff in the studio with me, as he is each and every week, the big sports fan. Uh, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Now, we got a little clarity here. We say each and every week. Well, this is going to be the last week that we're able to do this uh able to do this podcast uh because you're going off to try your hand at uh, a new career yeah yeah i'm gonna be be doing some writing and and enjoying travel and uh some some tourism and um enjoying food as as my wife and i do on our foodie score blog now Uh and exploring that more um and and getting back to some of my writing roots i think in some ways and some of my passions that i Mm -hmm. have um and i've had so many different writing passions and sports has been one of those too Mm -hmm. and i could dare say that it was sports that got me interested in communications to begin with uh, and wanting to be a sports writer right, in our right. earlier life, I guess I'd say in my teens. Yeah. And who knew? I mean, so that love of sports got you into the type of work you've been doing, newspapers and working here in communications and writing and all that sort of thing. It's amazing the connections between different kinds of communication skills and jobs. And um, I think I always tie when I've talked to students here on our campus at Gardner-Webb about the communications skills that they have been building. I always tell them those are going to be great no matter what career you go into. You need to be able to write Mm -hmm. clearly um, and uh, accurately and uh, your grammar should be good. There are reasons why. I mean, it makes you look good, and it mm-hmm. makes whoever you're working for look good and professional. So there's a certain professional. You need to be able to um, speak clearly. You need to be able to convey your thoughts. Um, and so there's a lot that goes into that, and we don't think about that on a daily basis, but you think about any given job, there's probably some aspect of that, even if you're just needing to write reports for something sure. and you're not actually writing something that's uh, highly uh, technical or something like that. You always need to be able to write and speak. So communications always uh, has such value in it, and that's definitely been the case for me. Well, I know when you started working in this building for quite a long time, you know, anytime you needed a a conversation to be struck up, I'd start talking to you about sports, and you had plenty to say. And so at some point along the way, it was like, you know, we we ought to do a podcast. We ought to do a podcast. And, And we've been doing that, and it's been great fun. Um, and I think we've been doing, doing it for a little bit more than a year. Uh, you know, I, I can look back and see how many how many podcasts we've recorded, and that sounds about right. Yeah, about a year. I think mm-hmm. we started it last spring and uh, sometime during the NCAA tournament, which we're going through right now. Is there any particular podcast that sticks out, any particular sports event that we covered that uh, sticks out to you? You know, one that sticks out is uh, the Muhammad Ali kind of uh, in looking back and and remembering his legacy. That one was really interesting, and I think uh, that one was one of the ones that maybe resonated the most with people um, because we talked about his life and his impact, and um, that was a lot of fun. I I definitely, as a sports fan, always take note of all these people who pass away from different parts of the sports industry, and there are households names like Muhammad Ali that everyone knows but then there are folks for me who might pass away and you know the legacy is remembered and ESPN does a piece on them and a lot of people may not know who those people are they may not be the athlete who was the face of something mm-hmm. may have been a coach who um, our generation may not remember it may have been somebody who was an executive with the team and helped build a team or a president or uh, somebody who was integral in getting a league started for a certain sport or something like that but Muhammad Ali I feel like that was a piece that um, was a lot of fun to, for me, even just do some research before we sat down and talked and learned some things that I didn't know. Um, because he just, through his through his expressions and the things he said and uh, his personality, he is one of those larger-than-life figures. And I think that's one of the things I latch on to in sports. Those, 
those kind of figures come along often, but maybe not as often as a Muhammad Ali does. Well, you know, when I think about which which podcast sticks out most in my mind, I think about that one as well. In a kind of related way, the other one that I enjoyed a lot because I like history and very much into history is, uh, oh, I forgot his first name, uh, but Mr. Theismann, not Theismann, I remember him too, but Heisman. It's tough because John Heisman and Joe Theismann are really close together i I almost said john (laughs) heisman and i thought well is that because of joe theisman and so i got all tongue-tied there but yeah when you talked about the history of not the trophy or the award but the man himself that was fascinating i enjoyed that one too that's a good point um because i'd I'd read a biography about john heisman and that had gotten me looking into his history and of course i knew about the heisman trophy for college football and i knew uh that name i knew he was a coach i knew he had some ties in the south and in the midwest and in the northeast but i didn't know that much about him and it was a lot of fun to learn more about him and and the um impact he had on just the the pieces of the game uh, and how the game is played and how it's officiated and all those things. And so um, I, I run into things like that from time to time. I, I love biographies. Um, I love history in general, but sports history really has me hooked on on different things. Um, probably one of the most recent things that I've been able to cap off was reading a series of biographies about figures related to the Los Angeles Lakers around 2000, 2005, kind of in that era. That was the um, Phil Jackson coached same Phil Jackson who coached Michael Jordan's Bulls in the 90s, um, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant era. Um, and they won three championships, but they also, by many accounts, left a lot of championships on the table during that period of time. And part of the thought behind why they did that was because of egos and personalities not matching up well. And so the first chance I had in in that realm, and I was so interested in it, was to read a, an autobiography by Phil Jackson, the coach. And now, at this point, he has won more NBA championships than any coach in history. I think he's got 11 past Red Hour back a couple years ago with with a couple more. Um, And then I read an autobiography about Shaq. And then I thought... I'd really love to read an autobiography by Kobe Bryant. I get that complete picture. Both the stars, the coach, they didn't get along, uh, the player and the player, the coach and the player in both cases. And so it's just a really fascinating um, kind of triangle there of, of uh, discombobulation, but also such success. And they did win championships, and, and those players won MVP awards, and they're just such central figures to this era of basketball. And I wanted to read the Kobe Bryant book, but there is no Kobe Bryant autobiography at this point that I could find. And so I ended up having to settle for a biography, which I was a little disappointed because it wasn't an autobiography in the in the player's own words and everything. But um, I just love that kind of stuff. I love learning history, and it's not just about the statistics for me. It's about the relationships between people. And I think that's sometimes what compels us. Um, we might have a passion in an area, but when we can learn about those people, we identify with it so much more. The other thing I've enjoyed so much about this series of podcasts is it's kind of kept me kept me, not the big sports fan, me up to date with kind of the major happenings that are going on and who's playing who and who's who's in a tournament and who's out, et cetera. So I, I do want to ask you about the one coming up this yeah. weekend as we sit down to record. You got any you got any uh, you got any thoughts, any idea who's gonna win this thing? I definitely do and as full disclosure as I think I've said before on this podcast, I am a fan of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels and so I, I, I think it's important. We don't get that a lot with our like, like our sports journalists, we don't know a lot of times who they are actually a fan of. And I think that might help because if they put that out there and they're just honest about it, then we know when we're listening to their commentary for sure, 100%. 
okay, he, he's taking an unbiased approach there. I think that I think that's important. We don't hear that enough. Um, so I am a fan of, of Carolina. But this weekend, of course, we've got the um, South Carolina really big surprise mm-hmm. being in the Final Four, first time ever, which is hard to believe with the tradition and history at that school and some of the coaches they've had, Frank McGuire, Dave Odom, some of the big names. But um, they're going to be taking on Gonzaga, uh, and then Carolina's going to be playing Oregon in the late game. Uh, while I, there's a lot of talk about we could get a Carolina's, all Carolina's national championship on Monday night, uh, and that would be so exciting. That's what I'm rooting for. Especially for folks here in the Carolinas. I mean, how great is that? How great is that? That's what I'm pulling for. But I think it's interesting to note, too, there could be an all-Northwest final with Gonzaga being out there in Washington State and Oregon out there in Eugene, Oregon, both on the coast um, up there in the Northwest. We could have an all-Northwest final. What I'm feeling at this moment is actually that we might have an all-Northwest final. Oh, yeah. um, and that's tough because I really want the opposite. Um, but I I think Gonzaga has been one of those teams that as hard as it sounds at, at, at like whatever and one, they've lost one game this year. Um, and that's incredible heading into the final four. Because, you know, even if you play in a conference where you don't get the respect uh, throughout the year, with the time you get in the NCAA tournament, you're going to play some teams that are going to be from other conferences. Power conferences is going to be rough. I don't think they've got the respect all year, and I think their their talent inside and outside is just going to be too much for South Carolina. And South Carolina plays really great defense. Um, that's kind of what they're known for. That's their calling card that their defense leads to their offense. But if I had to pick, I'd pick Gonzaga. And in the other matchup, I think the X factor, honestly, for me is Carolina point guard Joel Berry he sprained his ankle in the I believe it was first in the first round game or the second round game for them um, against Texas Southern and then he sprained his other ankle in another game later in the tournament so he's a little hobbled he actually on Wednesday of final four week with the final four games being on Saturday did not participate in full court practice Um, and so he's not been able to give it a full go because they're wanting him to not overexert it to hopefully have him prepared but uh, and, and fully practiced, but also give him a chance to heal as much as possible. And he really, we've seen a couple times, we saw it in the ACC tournament, he is the engine that makes the team go. There's a lot of talent on that Carolina team, um, and uh, there are a lot of guys who can score, and, and it's not so much Bar- Joel Berry scoring as a point guard. It's just his energy, his ability to drive to the basket and either score himself, which he's very talented with, or kick it out to somebody else to shoot. Um, and I think if he's not 100%, that could be a very bad thing for Carolina, even as experienced as they are. Oregon, it's interesting that they lost one of their best players to an injury, I believe, an ACL injury, if I remember that correctly, uh, maybe during the conference tournament. And everybody wrote them off. And they'd been in you know top 10 kind of range all year. And people thought – you know, Oregon's done. You know, that's going to be it right there. But they've surged on, and they played in an ultra-competitive Pac-10 conference or Pac-12 conference this this year. And Arizona and UCLA, who also kind of made it into the next to the last weekend of the college basketball season, having to go against them. So they've been battle tested certainly, um, and there's they're clearly haven't really missed a beat without without the player that they lost to injury. And so I, I really feel like if if Joel Berry for Carolina is not at full speed. It's going to be a tough matchup, and Oregon plays a guard-heavy lineup, and so that being the case, not having your point guard at full speed is it could be a problem. But when I say that, I thought that was going to be an issue against Kentucky too, and Carolina took care of Kentucky. So um, that's where I, I think that's the question: how how do those guards match up? But I really feel like Oregon may pull it off, and, uh, and we have that all Northwest final. And I really feel strongly about Gonzaga. And what's crazy about that is, Jeff, we sat here a month and a half ago, and I said Gonzaga's not. 
not one of the teams yeah. that you're going to yeah, say is going to win the national championship. But getting to see them, that's always one of the things here on the East Coast where we are. We don't get to see a lot of mm-hmm. West Coast basketball. And you've got to have either the right channels or the right um, ability to stream it online in some way. And you've got to be willing to stay up until the, to the middle, middle hours right. of the night. And um, so a lot of times the NCAA tournament is the first time that we get to see teams on the opposite coast. And that's probably, you know, that may even be true just by what games are carried on networks for the West Coast folks with the East Coast teams. So uh, it's really the first time to really scout them unless you've been doing that professionally or you're really just so diehard that you're staying up all night and watching college basketball during the week. So I really feel that all Northwest final may be the case, and I really feel Gonzaga may come out with it, which, again, is so ironic because I just said that wasn't going to happen. But obviously as a fan, and and it's hard as a fan to not let your own personal allegiances carry you – I really, really would love to see an All Carolinas national championship. It game. would be fun for us. That'd here be in the so Carolinas. fun, and that would that would mean that the viewership would go up astronomically. Because let me tell you, if it's Gonzaga and Oregon on Monday night, there ain't going to be a whole lot of people in the Carolinas watching yeah, that game. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Well, you know, I appreciate that. One last uh, prediction, one last look at the tournament coming up for us. And uh, wish you great luck as you uh, go out and take on new adventures. At any time you've got a, a spare 12 minutes or so, just stop in. We'll do one of these. That'd uh, be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun. You know, I'm already going to be thinking about everything that would go into the podcast to begin yeah, with. Exactly. <laughs> it's all in my brain. I just exactly. have to sort it out and prepare. If you've enjoyed this series of podcasts and like to reach out and say, hey, uh, send us an email at info, I-N-F-O, wgwg.org i'll make sure to pass that along to matthew the big sports fan and let him uh, let him see that uh until next time this is wgwg.org